Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 20. And uh, today's uh, text is, is from chapter 20, verse 19, down through uh, verse 26. <clears throat> but uh, just in remarking that that if we if we look at the the bigger picture and it's always good to kind of keep that in mind we're in the the week the final week that Christ was here in this world for the purpose that was set before him in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world and and we find so many things that tell us those things that he's here to to finish physically in time uh, says though the works were finished from before the foundation of the world and re- and remember always that he is uh, as he always says I am and <clears throat> and as we looked in our last lesson in verse uh, 9 through 18 and he gave us kind of a cliff note summary of the gospel uh, <clears throat> the certain man had a vineyard and and he sent servants forth and and they killed them and treated them badly and and he sent another servant and they treated him badly and he sent another servant and they treated him badly and so forth and he says fine I'll send my son maybe they'll reverence him and and they said oh let's kill him <laughs> and and so that takes us up to uh where we are today that uh in the closing verse he said uh, this uh the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner, and whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. <clears throat> so the beating of today's text in Luke twenty nineteen, And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour that he the same hour that he just issued this parable to them, sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them, and uh, some <coughs> uh, some attribute that to the people, saying, "Man, Jesus is talking about those religious guys that are giving us uh, the business here." <laughs> and so, and they watched him, and they sent forth spies, which would should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, so that they might deliver him under the power and authority of the governor. <coughs> And they asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt you me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, <clears throat> Render therefore unto Caesar the things that be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people. And they marveled at his answer and held their peace. It's kind of a triple meaning there in the end. They, could not, they couldn't do anything. Their scheming came to naught. They couldn't do anything with the words before the people. Because he didn't say kind of what they had anticipated that he would say. And they marveled at his answer because they didn't get it. <laughs> the, 
The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they're, they're spiritually understood. So uh, I kind of misquoted that there, but you get the idea. <clears throat> so they, they have this they have this set of schemes that they're rolling in place trying to catch him. Remember, it's the Passover week's coming up. There's millions of Jews in Jerusalem right now because it's Passover week, and they all come for that feast. And so there's a lot of folks there. And remember, in the the <clears throat> in the uh, triumphal entry, you know, there was that many people were there, and they were throwing down their garments and they were waving palm leaves and saying Hallelujah and and Hosannas to the King and all that kind of stuff and and the religious leaders were going oh <laughs> this is not good and <clears throat> so <clears throat> they said we have to do something and remember uh, we read back in uh, chapter 19 that they were they sought to kill him right then and i think it was verse 47 of chapter 19 they they sought a way to kill him but they were afraid to because of the multitude of the people and then we we found out later that they they uh, dickered with uh, Judas, who said, "Well, if you want to take him, we've got to do it by night because there won't be many people around him at night, so we can come and take him away at night without a big uproar from the multitude." And so that's kind of where we're we're at. And they have these ones that they hired to go and and be spies. And then the next thing we're going to find out is. They're going to send some Sadducees to him and try to catch him something there, and uh, it's just endless. It's just endless. That's just the way religion is. They're just endless ways to try and and, and arouse the trouble. And so, the the name of today's lesson is "Render unto Caesars uh, Part One," because this is going to be a multi-part lesson, and it's. Uh, we're going to kind of lay the groundwork for the rendering unto Caesar the things that be Caesar's part. And then we're going to spend the next lesson on rendering unto God the things that be God's. So uh, we're going to break it down like that. And they're going to kind of overlap a little bit. So we'll probably go back and forth a little bit. But uh, there's some interesting words in this block of Scripture. To to lay hand, they They sought to lay hands on him. That means... <coughs> Not like I want to go put my ne- arms around your neck and give you a big hug. <laughs> it's the the Greek context here is with a violent intent. They sought to lay hands on him with a violent intent to grasp, to arrest. <clears throat> you know they they sent forth a, a spies. Well, that word "sent" is the same word where we get apostles from, and. On this side, we have the ones that are sent forth from the world to, for mayhem <laughs> and against the Christ and against his child, against his people. And on the other hand, we have the sent the apostles that are sent forth to declare the gospel, the good news. And, and so we have that uh, dichotomy there. Uh, feign, this word feign, they feigned. They would feign themselves just men. What does that mean? They were that means they would pretend to be righteous. They would pretend to be just men. 
And boy, there's a lot of that in religion. They pretend to be what they are not. And that's that's where that word hypocrite comes into play. It means an actor, a person that just pretends to be one thing when they're another. <clears throat> they would feign themselves just men for the purpose that they might take... They wanted to get into his... <clears throat> uh, into his inner circle, they wanted to get into his group of people by i'm i'm one of I'm one of you, and boy, you know religion's always trying to talk you into that hey what what we all kind of believe the same thing why don't we just get together uh, but these it says they feigned it. it it means to pretend or to speak a false part they pretended to be just or righteous men righteous men with the and they and they couched it behind having a seemingly legitimate righteous question. I have a, I have just something that I just, I want you to know how religious I am, and so I'm going to ask you a real religious question. <laughs> and that way you'll know that I'm, I'm a religious person, and we can, and we have that groundwork that we can share. And, but you know, he says, he knew their craftiness. <clears throat> One of the things that I really want to point out in, in these series of lessons that we're going to be going on through here, through Luke, the the next few chapters is, and the next few verses in this chapter especially is that every single thing that occurs, everything that's said, everything that's thought is ordained of God to accomplish His purpose. So these fellows think that they're coming with their own scheme, their own thing, but you know, really they're just being used of God. He allowed them to do uh, what they wanted to do, but it was him that that ordains all things according to his own purpose and pleasure. <clears throat> they said to him, rightly. That's an interesting word. Let's let's go back here and read that again. <clears throat> um, in verse twenty one, and they asked him, saying, Master, we know we're we're acknowledging you as the teacher, the master, because that's part of our plan is to get you to incriminate yourself here. We know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. This word rightly is orthos in the Greek, and then, and that is the, the root word the, for like compound words like orthodox, a right document, a right that's and when you have orthodox religion, that means that it's the the right. They have the right documents. The right, most of them are not, <laughs> but they they say they are. And it's also where we get orthopedics, uh, and it's uh, <clears throat> uh, means it's uh, a a treatment to straighten a deformed bone. It was mostly applied to children back in the old days, where they had where they have scoliosis or some kind of curvature of the spine or something, and it was related to the treatment of that deformed bone structure in children originally. And, and they use that first part of that Greek term, ortho, for straight, and then pedics for the second part of it. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> so you speak us right. You speak us straight. You speaketh true. The correct, the the true or straight, and and then they said, and you don't accept the person of any man. 
And that's used in the sense of, Lauren, come over here in the corner and I want to tell you something. And because I know you believe this way. And then I would say, Norm, I want you to come over to this corner. I'll tell you something different because I know you believe this way. But he says, you don't do that. You just speak the truth face to face and you don't change your message due to the whoever it is you're talking to. You don't send one message to the Greeks and you don't send one message to the, the Jews and so forth like that. <clears throat> you don't change your opinion or statement based on which man is in front of you that, and that's where we get the face-to-face part of that. Then <clears throat> the purpose of their phrasing again is to entrap Jesus into saying what they wanted through some lies, through some trickery, through some hatred, and through some flattery. They flatter you and say, I know you're really smart. And now I'll trick you into saying something bad. (laughs) And so the, the root question is, is it, here's our religious question, is it lawful to pay tribute unto Caesar. And if he answered, they thought, when they, they think this through and they think, well, if he says one thing, we got him. If he says the other thing, we got him. So it's like the question, are you still beating your wife? <laughs> There's no right answer there, is there? But this is a little bit different. But it, that was the way that they perceived it that's what we're going to give him a question that there's no escape from is it lawful to pay tribute if he said it's not lawful to pay tribute to Caesar because he's an idolatrous person pagan king and he's enslaved us and by some law where we're not supposed to pay money to him. Well then, that would be what the Romans would consider insurrection. And remember there's, remember when they're asking him this, there's like a million people around. There's a big crowd. So, he's saying, they're trying to trick him into saying something in front of a mass crowd that they can say, look, he was in front of a mass crowd saying, don't pay any tribute to Caesar. And if he said, it's lawful, yeah, it's lawful to pay tribute to Caesar, then the people hated him. <laughs> they, because all these people were af- following after him. They all said, he's a prophet or the Messiah, potentially. And he had a great, he was very popular. And that was kind of the conundrum that they were under was, you know, the people are going after him and they're leaving us. What's that? We we can see that we're on a slippery slope here <laughs> in our control of things. And so uh, so if they, he said you should pay tribute, the people would turn against him. And, and they said, yeah, we that would be good. Then they'd come back to us because they're, they're going after him, and, and we all say we hate paying tribute to Caesar. And 
So if he says the other thing where, yeah, you should pay your your tax, your tribute to Caesar, we're going straight to the Romans with that. <laughs> we have a connection. And it, as I read through this, it, it, so many things fall together here that show the sovereignty of God and and how he's in control of every single aspect of every single atom of every single thing in the world. Uh, It says in Luke uh, chapter 23, in our our next chapter, 23.1, the whole multitude of them, which refers to the elders, the chief priests, the scribes that we read about in or we will read about later on in Luke chapter 22, verse 66. The whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they said, they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And... They said they they knew that was a lie, but they he didn't he didn't really say that. <clears throat> but they brought those insinuations against him because that's what the Romans would be interested in. They didn't really care about religious squabbles, and they and I think in Acts a couple times they say, you know, this is a religious thing. You handle it. We don't want anything to do with it. But insurrection. Somebody saying that they were a king in the place of Caesar or forbidding to pay the tax to Caesar, that would be insurrection and and that would be dealt with swiftly and severely. And so they presented, they were going to present this evidence to Pilate, who is the Roman governor, prelate, and for the purpose of effecting the execution of Christ. Yeah, so just imagine you're the Roman governor, and normally Pilate, he lived over on the coast, on the Mediterranean coast. He lived in a town called Caesarea Maritima. Well, I don't know if I pronounce that right, but he had a little villa over there on the Mediterranean coast, and he came to Jerusalem when it warranted it. He didn't. He wasn't in Jerusalem all the time. He came there. And he would be there at Passover time because there was going to be a million Jews there and somebody had better be there keeping an eye on things to make sure there weren't any uprisings uh, of which the Jewish history is just full of. (laughs) They just had uprising after uprising after uprising. And and we'll look at a couple of those here in a minute. But imagine what the reaction of a Roman governor would be if it came to his attention that this Jesus guy who's surrounded by a multitude of people and it's Passover week, remember the the triumphal entry, the Passover, all these people coming to celebrate the feasts. And, and so if he was in the midst of a million people and he gets tricked into saying, it's not lawful for Jews to pay tribute to Caesar, he'd have a little bit of a dilemma on his hand he'd have a little bit of a problem. If he valued his life and his position, he'd be forced to deal with this immediately and severely. And in truth, 
we find that every action, every thought, every syllable, even though it's a lie, is according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God the Father. We read that in Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read that here, but I want you to think about some of the terminology that's used in this scripture in Acts. And these same guys come against Peter and the disciples, we find in Acts chapter 4, and they're threatening them because they're preaching Jesus and the resurrection and and say that man I thought we got rid of that problem <laughs> now we got a bunch more so in Acts uh, chapter 4 Peter's declaring the truth of the sovereign will and purpose of God and in verse 23 they they said well we we can't really do much to them except let's threaten them and turn them loose saying, don't, we don't want you preaching anymore in this Jesus' name. In verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own company. They went to the disciples, the apostles. They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of his servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? They're, they're crying out the Old Testament. They're taking these words right out of the Old Testament, and they're quoting David. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together. Gathered together. Think about that. Against the Lord and against his Christ, for a truth of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. How powerful and true is this declaration? And, you know, people always think, well, God is just a reactionary kind of a being, and he sees something, and then he does something. He sees something, and he does something. But that's not what the Scriptures tell us. All these differing factions, you know, when we look at, if we were to spend an hour studying all these different factions, we'd find that they didn't like each other. The Jewish religion guys, they didn't really like the people other than the fact that they were extorting money out of them. And it says they keep, you lay burdens on them that are too heavy to bear and and you you take widows and make life miserable for them and you, uh, you're like whited sepulchers and you're... You, you don't let anybody into the kingdom and you, you, you don't enter in yourself and those that would like to come in, you, you hinder them. So all these things that say, they didn't really care about the people other than their control that they wielded over them and, and the money that they got out of them. <clears throat> so these folks normally had little to do with each other. Uh, and in fact, they didn't really like one another, but they're brought together to accomplish what God's counsel before determined to be done. 
Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you've taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So all these elements are coming together. Pilate, he's the Roman governor. Normally, I said he resided over at the coast and the Mediterranean. And when the need arose to be in Jerusalem, he would go there. <coughs> and we find that that's directed by, by God. And he, when he was there, he resided in Her- Herod's palace and he had his his uh, praetorium or headquarters there where he would keep an eye on things and rule over th- things that came up and issue commands and orders. And <clears throat> You know, the Romans, this entity, they were hated by the Jews because they had conquered them and put them in bondage and made them pay taxes and controlled practically every aspect of their life. They could do their religious stuff and they could kind of do their commerce and other things uh, as long as they didn't cause trouble and they paid their taxes. It's kind of like now. (laughs) But the Jews looked at these Romans and said, you know, we kind of hate them, but they'd be useful to us in getting rid of Jesus. Why is that? Well, the Romans had taken away their ability to accomplish capital punishment. The Romans said, after a revolt in, I think, 135 B.C., they said, <clears throat> uh, we're going to be in charge of all that now, and we're going to be the ones that decide who is executed and who is not. And So they kind of took that power away from them. <clears throat> and so... That just plays into the whole scheme of things. It would be a double bonus for the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders if the Romans arrested Jesus and executed him. Because he was real popular with people. If they arrested him and stoned him, there there would be an uproar. Thou who stonest the prophets and all that Old Testament things that we read about previously. He was popular. They thought he might be the Messiah. They thought he was a prophet. And he did all these miracles and raised people from the dead and healed the lepers and the blind and the deaf and the lame and preached the gospel. And, and so the chief priest said, man, if, we, if, we, if, we, if it were in our power to stone him, we'd do that. But we don't really want to because people will get mad at us if we do that. If we have the Romans do it, ka They'll get the blame for it. We'll be off the hook. We'll be rid of him, and they'll be mad at the Romans. So what could be better? So the Jews, the Jews, the, not the general population so much as the, the religious leaders, the, the ones we've been naming, the elders, the priests, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, all those sects, the Sadducees, all those different religious ones that had control over things for so long and had things their own way. <clears throat> they hated Jesus so much they wanted him dead, and the sooner the better. And <clears throat> so the best plan for them again is to have the Romans do it. The Romans didn't particularly indulge the Jews in, in religious skirmishes and so they had to come up with something that would interest the Romans, and that 
falls under the category of insurrection. And <clears throat> now we bring in the Jews and the Herodians. They didn't like each other either because the Herodians were for Idumeans or uh, they were from the line of, of Esau. <laughs> and they and Herod was a king over them that they didn't particularly like, but he had the control of them. And he had the ear of the Romans because, as we learned in our previous lesson, the Herods had to go to Rome to get tapped with the wand, say, okay, you can be king. And remember, there was the four uh, regions that were divided up among Herod's sons, Herod's sons, and one got Judea, and one got Samaria, and one got this region, one got that region, and then the the one that was in charge of Judea was so awful and corrupt that they they canceled his ticket and sent him to Vienna and and turned it over to one of the other sons, Herod, this Herod Antipas that we're talking about here. <clears throat> so here we have them becoming buddies. <laughs> oh, in Matthew chapter twenty-two, fifteen says, "Then the Pharisees." took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God and truth, neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the persons of men. And so we have this one more little detail here that's added in Matthew's account that they sent out spies, but part of those spies were Herodians. So now we've got the Jews trying to figure out a way to get the Romans on their side. They've linked up with the Herodians. The Herodians had a direct, because they were there, the Herod was there appointed by the Roman Caesar. He had to go to Rome and get Caesar to say, okay, you're going to be the guy. And, and So he was their direct link to the Romans. In, La, in Matthew, or rather Luke 23, 12, a little further down the road for it, but the verse says, the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, but before they were at enmity between themselves. And so the only possible crime the Jews could accuse Jesus of, which would interest the Romans, was insurrection. They'd, they'd already pronounced him guilty of blasphemy against God in their own court. and But that wouldn't really be of any interest to the Romans. So how do they want to present that? They sent spies with this pre-planned question for which they couldn't really see him giving any correct answer for. And they watched him and sent forth spies which should feign themselves just men that they might take hold of his words so they might deliver him under the power and authority of the governor. Hatred coupled with lies, coupled with false pretenses, coupled with flattery, all were in full force when the question is posed. And so again, I call your attention back to Acts where it says, all these ones were gathered together. Ones that didn't like each other. And they, normally they would not cross the street. for They would, they would, they would cross the street to avoid <laughs> if they saw a Roman guy coming. And... Taxation was just hateful to the Jews. Taxation to Rome especially. 
Is it lawful for us to give tribute or taxes unto Caesar? Publicans. Publicans were the tax collectors for Rome. There was a chief tax collector that was Zacchaeus. Remember, he was the head of the publican network where he was. And he had all these little sub-publicans that taxed various things, merchandise coming into the that town, merchandise going out. They had a person tax, poll tax. They had a, a income tax, and they had all kinds of taxes, and they had a different publican that was tasked with collecting each various kind of taxes. And remember, they were all able to uh, kind of be creative in their taxation so that they could pay themselves because they had to they were they were obliged to turn over so much revenue to Rome and whatever else you can extort out of the people that's what you get to live on and <clears throat> remember with that uh, uh, that that Jesus said there were two men that went to the temple publican and the Pharisee said I'm glad I'm not like other men extortioners robbers cheats sinners even like this publican he was like when he was going down the list of scum buckets publican was way down there and right below the adulterers and the unjust. and uh, In Luke chapter 5, verse 30, the, the scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples and said, Why are you eating and drinking with publicans and sinners? That is awful. The history of the Jews was comprised of just revolt after revolt after revolt against Rome. Rome wanted to build a capital city on the ruins of Jerusalem from one of the other times that they tore it down. The Romans tried to insert uh, their idols in the temples and that aggravated them. The Roman coins, each Caesar issued coins with his picture on them. Each time there was a new Caesar, they would mint a new series of coins and and they used that a lot in archaeology to date certain things so they can say well the, we found these coins and they they those were only made after this date when this Caesar came into power so if it's a, if it's another Caesar that means it was from a previous age so they use that kind of as a dating tool and and <clears throat> the the image of Caesar was on them and then they had little words inscribed on them in Latin and and uh <clears throat> The word penny here is is actually denarius or denarii in the Greek. It was a Roman coin, and they called it a tribute penny because it was the amount of tribute that had to be paid, and it was one day's wages. And the the penny would have had an image of Tiberius. The ones that were in circulation right at that time would have had an image of Tiberius Caesar on one side, and the inscription... Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, on the back side. So it would be like having a 
picture of Lincoln on one side and in God we trust on the other, only from a pagan point of view. <laughs> uh, Augustus, he, his, his coins had his picture on it and it said Augustus, son of God. And the Jews would went ick. <laughs> they would not have wanted anything to do with that. And so these very coins would have been considered idols, pagan idols then, and and they would have been despised and avoided, although it seems like they could come up with one readily when Jesus says, show me a penny, and they said, okay. Here, here's one. <laughs> so it doesn't seem like they had too much trouble coming up with a Roman uh, coin there when he asked for that. Uh, imagine that. Uh, there's just so many things that you can think of. Uh, when Jesus was up in the north part in, in Caesarea, I think it was, and some guys came up to him and says, why doesn't your master pay tribute? And this had to do with the temple tax because a month before the Passover, uh, they would have their tax goons out collecting the temple tax. And they would tax the the rural regions around. And you could pay it out there or you could pay it when you were in Jerusalem. So they'd say, hey, doesn't your master pay tribute? And he, he said, hey, Peter, hop down to the beach there and cast in a line. Well, Peter, we was a net fisherman. <laughs> he said, okay, I'm just going to cast in my line. And he caught a fish, and lo and behold, it had a coin in its mouth. <laughs> the creator of all things uh, arranged for that. And he says, there, that you go pay the tribute tax for both of us there at the, for the temple tax. And uh, so... So show me a penny. Whose image and superscription have it? And they answered and said, Caesar's. You know, in I think it was in uh, 135 B.C. There was a Roman, and he's recorded in Acts uh, chapter 5, named Judas of Galilee. He rose up in revolt against the Romans, and a large part of it was over this taxation without representation issue. And they slew him and all of his followers. Uh, That was he was uh, in the in uh, six A.D. It says Judas of Galilee in six A.D. In Acts 5.37, after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. So the ones that they didn't kill, they ran off. And and in 135, there was an insurrection against Rome by the Jews and it resulted in the slaying or death by famine of nearly 600,000 Jews and they sacked 58 cities to quell this insurrection so they didn't put up with that I guess the point being that the Romans did not put up with that lightly and remember this is all according to the determinant and counsel and foreknowledge of God all these things that are occurring and all the things that that contribute 
every action of every molecule is coming into place as all these are gathered together to do what he has before determined to be done. The reaction of the Romans would be swift and deadly. It seemed to be the solution that they desired. And yet, it's all according to the purpose of God for the redemption of the church. Isn't that just uh, amazing? Next week, Lord willing, we'll be looking at Render unto Caesar Part 2, now that we kind of have that background. He says, Render unto Caesar the things that be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And we'll look at that aspect of it next time, Lord willing. So, till next time, be free.